You're listening to Bands and Botanicals, a unique podcast where trainer and trainee discuss fitness, herbalism, and healthy habits for life. We're your hosts. I'm Paula Kirsch, owner of Botanically Curious and Artisan Herbalist. And my name is Danielle Kreese, certified personal trainer and owner of DC Fit. Now, before we get started, if you could do us a brief favor and go to Apple Podcasts and just leave us a review, we'd love to hear from you. And with that being said, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. We have an exciting one today. Yes. So uh, before we kick it off today, how are you doing, Danielle? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to our guest, Roxy, today. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to be talking about PCOS. We'll get into a little bit of what that is, but I've been really looking forward to uh, just having this conversation. So just feeling pumped, feeling good about what the day is going to bring. How about you? Yes. Yeah, I'm super excited. I think we mentioned on the podcast previously that we were going to have this guest on and that I was at an herbal entrepreneur conference about a month or so ago where I actually saw Roxy as one of the um, speakers and Amazing. I was so inspired by what she was talking about and the book that she has that we'll be discussing that um, it inspired me to do my vegan thing for the last two months which is really exciting so without further ado um, welcome Roxy she is a certified tea sommelier a clinical herbalist owner of finesse life holistics creator of bougie garden apothecary where she has fantastic tea parties that she does uh, she is a PCOS thriver and author of No Prescription Needed. So welcome, Roxy. Welcome. Hi. Hi, hi. How are you ladies today? Fantastic. Yes, much better now that we are talking to you. Awesome. Super happy to be with you guys today. Thank you again for inviting me. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I like I mentioned, I listened to you as a speaker during the Herbal Entrepreneur Conference. <laughs> I grabbed your book, No Prescription Needed, and it's a really great guide, you know, super easy to run through, fantastic information in there. And as an herbalist, I was really inspired by that aspect of it that you brought into kind of nutrition that a lot of people don't really connect the dots on. So before we get started, you know, we'd love our audience to know a little bit more about your story, how you got into the world of herbalism and plant-based nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my story is is really unorthodox. I'm sure uh, a lot of us women have something similar. So I'm actually from the world of finance. Um, I was actually a CPA, um, had uh, two different finance companies that I ran, and, you know, those were my companies. Um, So I, I was very heavy in finance. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, invested a lot of time and money into it, as you as you could imagine. Um, and I still wasn't feeling fulfilled, if you will. Um, I was still dealing with horrible cycles. I was still dealing with horrible acne, still dealing with high levels of stress. So although I was in a career that I thought I wanted to be in, um, my body was really, really suffering. So it wasn't until I, I was able to have the courage to transform my lifestyle when it comes to my health and wellness. And that's when I really developed the courage to leave the world of finance that I had been in for 10 plus years and into a whole new unknown territory for me, which was health, wellness, and um, and herbalism. Fantastic. I, I love how kind of polar opposites those are, but how you find that that happens to people sometimes. I mean, they feel 
you know, they have a, a certain goal or the thing that they feel like they should be doing as they grow up. And we have this idea of that mm. successful human and what that looks like. And then we kind of find ourselves in those roles. And for some people that may be fulfilling, but it does take a lot of courage to be like, I am being successful in this business, but it is not working for me internally. And that Absolutely. really is, I mean, some people forget how much time our work takes up. Mm-hmm. And so if you're miserable, that's quite a, a long time or not yeah. miserable, but highly stressed or, you know, your, your yeah. health is, is failing because of it or being compromised. And it wasn't fulfilling. I, I didn't feel like, you know, obviously I was helping companies reach their financial goals. Right. But it wasn't, it, it just wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't something that, you know, I had a deep, deep passion for and wanted to travel the world and help people, you know, yeah, it just, it didn't give me that. Yeah. Um, and I was really looking for that. It really came and it became very important to me to only do what makes me happy and eliminate anything that brought stress into my life. Mm -hmm. And I know, and we'll get to this, I'm sure as a woman with PCOS, stress is not our friend okay at all by any means so um one of those things was just dedicating all dedicating just towards just dedicating my life to doing what makes me happy and, and what gives me fulfillment I really had to go back to my childhood right and it was so interesting that transformation I had to heal so many just childhood traumas that I didn't even think about, right? Mm -hmm. That I put it so far in the back of my head. Um, but I thought to myself, like, what did I want to do as a little kid? I wanted to be a, a heart surgeon, right? So I wanted to be in the medical field some type of way. And I always wanted to be a math teacher, right? So I don't know how those two correlated, but <laughs> a long time, you know, between elementary school and high school, I went from, okay, I'm going to be a heart surgeon. And then once I realized, you know, being a heart surgeon is a lot of school, <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do math teaching. I want to be a math teacher. So again, I went back to those childhood passions that I really, where there was no limits to what I can do, to what I can be. No one telling me that I can or cannot do something right. And here I am. I, I teach people about herbs I teach people how to take care of themselves differently I teach people how to love themselves differently um so it's kind of like me being able to integrate what I've always wanted to do those passions that I had when I was 10 11 12 7 years old and here I am and now and able to really fulfill those passions it it's it's I'm, I'm proud of myself I'll say it like that every time I look at myself in the mirror and do my my morning affirmations which we'll talk about as well um that is one of those things I tell myself like I'm so so proud of you I love that yeah I definitely speaking to the kid side of things where you know you look back and what did you want to do and I went to school for business and I got my MBA and did a lot of that and kind of corporate grind for a long time similarly. But when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, I was playing in the pond and collecting frogs and grabbing, you know, plants and mixing them together to make medicine, so to speak, and not even realizing yeah, what it was. But yeah, absolutely. Something that gives you passion. I think that's fantastic. And it's so funny to see how, how you're going back to your childhood, 
even though it's not per se a heart surgeon or math teacher, you did become a teacher and you do still give to people's heart health, whether that's physically or emotionally and mm -hmm. spiritually on all of those components. So it's interesting how, you know, it's that dream and it just evolved a little yeah. and, and brought you to this place. So Roxy, you did Absolutely. mention... You did mention the PCOS. So for the, our listeners who aren't uh, fully aware of that is or are hearing it for the first time, can you ex uh, just give us a little brief breakdown of PCOS and why it's important for women to be able to kind of identify um, the signs so that they know that, that they may be going through something similar to you? Yes, very important. So PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, okay? Um, one of the most common misdiagnosed syndromes amongst women. Um, it's also one of the most common causes of infertility amongst women. Um, about one in five women have PCOS, whether they know it or not, okay? One in five, y'all, that mm -hmm. number is huge, okay? Um, and I talk to so many different clients where um, their doctors aren't giving them enough time and enough attention, but then I find that the doctors themselves don't even know a lot of information um, about PCOS. So mm -hmm. huge, huge. I, I, I love talking about this topic. So a few of those signs that I feel like all women um, should know about when it comes to PCOS, okay? So weight gain and difficulties losing that weight. So that's one of the um, a really interesting sign. Um, another one is irregular cycles. Okay. So that is one of those qualifying markers of having PCOS, whether they are coming every two months or whether they're lasting for six, seven months straight. I've had one of those and they are not fun. Okay. So wow. that is another one of those indicators of something might not be right there. Yeah. Another one is acne. Okay. So a lot of women that do have PCOS have acne of some sort, whether it's on their face, their chest, their back. Um, acne is a piece of it, okay? Um, infertility, that is another sign of a possibility that you may have PCOS, especially if you were coming from birth control um, mm -hmm. and you're trying to conceive and you're like, okay, something is something is not uh, not working here, right? Um, that is one of those signs where you might want to have a conversation with your doctor about post-peel type PCOS. Um, and then, of course, fatigue and always just feeling tired. But most definitely the weight gain, the irregular cycles is really, really huge. Um, male pattern baldness or male pattern hair growth, that's mm. another one. I myself, I remember very clearly dealing with hairs all down my chin, hair. It could be like one or two that you find yourself pulling out all the right. time. So um, that is another indicator of PCOS. Another one is hair thinning. So if you find yourself, your hairline doing a lot of thinning, mm -hmm. um, especially for women or here in the nape, that male pattern like baldness, um, that is another indicator that you should have a conversation with your doctor um, about PCOS and, and have them run some of those qualifying tests. Yeah, I mean, until we started this podcast, I had actually never even heard of PCOS. So I think of all of those symptoms and I think it's really important that we're having this podcast and that you're sharing all the knowledge you have because 
I mean, I would have just been like, oh, I have acne or, right. oh, this is just, uh, you know, right. if I have like some hair loss, it's hereditary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would have chalked it up to some other explanation and not even had any idea that this could be connected to all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation and thank you for sharing those like major points. Yeah, Absolutely. So I loved when looking through your book, you know, you really talk about some of the detailed reasons why getting off of meat, you know, buying organic, some of those things are really, really important, not only for your health, but if you think you are struggling with PCOS. So can you explain a little bit of why it's important for when you're at the store, maybe you're, you're starting to go vegan or you're trying to incorporate more vegetables, going organic as much as possible. How does that protect your body? Um, against some of these symptoms. Absolutely. So this is going to be important, not only for women that have or are dealing with PCOS or women who believe they may have PCOS, but anyone who has a set of hormones, okay, (laughs) especially women. um, I I, I focus more towards women and women who are dealing with various hormonal imbalance issues, okay, not just PCOS. I'm also talking about fibroids. I'm also talking about endometriosis and those other type Mm. of hormonal um, womb wellness issues. So non-organic foods have higher levels of pesticides, herbicides. um, Those are known endocrine and hormonal disruptors Mm. now sis if you've already got a hormonal challenge why dump more hormones that are going to cause more issues and make you not feel like you want to feel on a daily basis okay so we've got bpas um phthalates artificial food covering uh, colorings nitrates all of those are i mean it's it's not it's not a secret, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The research is out there, um, and they are going to trigger inflammation in the body, and that is another one that all women, there are four different types of uh, PCOS. There are four different phenotypes. All of them um, deal with inflammation, all of them, okay? All of them um, have a inflammatory load that is much different than a woman who does not deal with PCOS. So knowing that these chemicals are going to not only impede on your toxic load, but cause more hormonal distress within the body, sis, it just doesn't make sense. Mm. It, it doesn't make sense. So. That is why I always opt for foods that do not have those hormonal disruptors because women, again, who have PCOS, uterine fibroids, endometriosis, et cetera, et cetera, by definition, we have a hormonal disruption somewhere. So um, that's why I I always, always urge women um, to definitely reach for those organic fruits and vegetables. If you are, I mean, again, meat is another one that just naturally causes inflammation in the body. Um, Dairy is another one. Gluten, certain types of um, grains also do it. Drinking caffeine every single day is also going to, those are going to really impede on our hormonal and our endocrine load. Um, so, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend for for that switch. And it's a lot easier than a lot of us think, right? Um, a lot of people are intimidated by organic foods because we've always heard that organic foods are so expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, um, 
uh, I, I love, love, love helping people dismantle um, that belief, especially comparing um, organic foods um, and, and the nutrients that you are going to receive and comparing that to, you know, that, that steak that might be $20 um, or that rack of ribs that might be, you know, 15, 16 bucks. So um, it, it's all about how we, how we look at things. But most definitely, um, I would say for all of us women who are dealing with any type of hormonal imbalance, do not impede on your toxic load by, you know, adding conventional foods into theirs. You know, I, I, even if you start small, hey, I'm going to start with just, you know, bananas. I eat a lot of bananas. I'll start with only organic bananas, and that's where I'm going to start. Um, one place that I normally recommend for people to start is by looking at the Environmental Workers Group uh, Dirty Dozen list. Ah, uh, yes. And those would be the ones that I would recommend for you to start purchasing organic. Look at that Dirty Dozen list. If it shows up on that list, start grabbing those. Those would be the first ones. You know, if you're wanting to transition from conventional to organic, I would say start with that Dirty Dozen list. Yeah, I love that. And I noticed that you had that in your book as well. So when people are making this shift and they're trying to eat healthy, especially being savvy consumers when they're eating out, do you have any tips or tricks, especially if you, you know, want to go out with friends or might not be options and you definitely can't read the food labels if somebody else is preparing your food? Yes. Yes. Great question. Education is always key. Okay. Always, always. And then just knowing the tricks and like the verbiage that, um, stores and restaurants use. Right. So one of the things that I always look at, so the easiest, right. And this is the one that I found to be the easiest when I was going through nutrition school. And as I was converting my own diet was fish. Okay. So when I transformed initially, I cut out, I mean, beef and pork, that was simple for me, okay? So I'll, like, I'll explain that process a little little later. Um, but I was like, okay, so I'll rock with fish for a little while. So um, I had to learn the difference between farm-raised and wild-caught fish. So that was a start. Then I had to learn the difference between Atlantic and um Atlantic and Alaskan salmon, okay? So automatically, if you ever see, you know, I love it. Restaurants will put Atlantic salmon in, like, like beautiful font, you know, make it look all pretty and stuff. And it's actually illegal to farm for salmon in the Atlantic Ocean. Oh. So automatically, I know that that is farm-raised fish, and those fish are going to have some type of toxic load onto my body. Nope, don't want that. If I ever see, and it's so funny, I also see, um, when I go to like Louisiana-style restaurants, you guys, I see uh, farm-raised catfish or farm-raised tilapia. No, we don't want farm-raised anything, okay? Mm -hmm. That is going to be those fish that are eating all of those foods that fish are not supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah. So learning the differences between those things are so huge. <laughs> um, and just asking those questions. I am, I'm, I never have a problem with asking. Even when I go to farmer's markets, you guys, I'll walk straight up to the farmer's booth and say, hey, are these organic or no? Where are you getting your stuff? Because I understand that you're the seller here at the farmer's market, and you may not necessarily be the farmer who is out there tending to, you know, the good crops, right? Mm -hmm. So 
being willing to go that extra step and even ask those questions is your is your um where are you getting these vegetables that is inside of this salad right um and not being afraid to just ask those questions another one that i love teaching people about is chicken so when you go into a grocery store you'll see on chicken really nice and bold in the front nor no artificial or added hormones right Mm -hmm. you'll see that on the package and i tell everyone the front of the package is for you okay that is for you to buy Mm. um but legally in the united states you're not allowed no farmer is allowed to add artificial hormones to any chicken so it's i mean again there it's a selling point and understanding what those selling points are are going to really really help you with that transition PLU codes, that's another one. I love going to farmer's markets, and um, this is a real-life example. It's on my social media right now. Um, I was at a farmer's market, and there was a, there's a huge display that says organic bananas, right? Organic mm. bananas, all these beautiful bananas in this bin, and they have a little PLU code. The PLU code is that barcode sticker that is on produce. So anytime produce is organic, the PLU code has to start with a nine. Mm-hmm. All of those in the little banana bin started with a four. So I automatically knew, I'm sorry, sir, these are not organic bananas. These are conventionally grown bananas. And that was a learning a learning lesson between that farmer um, you know, and myself. And, and we had that conversation about those labels and what they mean. And and it's so important, though, for, for us to know because they'll try to hustle you out there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> the Damn. The is no joke. How sneaky. <laughs> I feel so so deceived. I question so everything sneaky. now. <laughs> She's like, I feel so bamboozled. I know. <laughs> So, Roxy, I, you know, I love how you lay this all out in your book in such an easy format. Um, I personally got mine from Amazon. And before we end, we'll let uh, listeners know where they can get this book because it's such a fantastic guide just to have with you and flip back to. One of the things, like I mentioned earlier, that I really enjoyed was the herbal section and some of the supplements that you had listed. So when did you start first working with some of these herbs to help specifically your PCOS and how did you discover which ones were would benefit you and how did that kind of work? Yeah, great question. So I actually was looking for, and again, this just happened during my transition. I was on metformin. My doctors had prescribed me metformin and as many women or men who are on metformin, metformin is a medication that is typically given to people who have type two diabetes. At that time, my insulin resistance type PCOS did progress to type 2 diabetes, Um, but even prior to that full-blown diagnosis, um, while I was diagnosed as being pre-diabetic or insulin-resistant, they had prescribed me metformin. And if you've never been on metformin, it is not fun, horrible GI issues, you're at the toilet literally all day. So sorry, this is probably TMI, but it is, it's just not fun. Um, it definitely disrupts your um, your your, your uh, digestive system. And that is where I was looking relief for. Okay, so 
that's where I started. I needed to get myself off of the metformin. Mm. And I knew there was something that I can use, right? I, I wasn't that oblivious to think that, that I didn't have any other options. I was really searching for um, food options. I thought that there were more foods that I could probably just eat. Um, but then I stumbled upon berberine. Um, and then I also stumbled upon chase berry and then mm. learned how those two herbs really have some of the similar effects on the body as metformin. Then I looked at the clinical trials and all of the research that has been done on those two herbs as it pertains to its effectiveness um, when it comes to lowering um, insulin sensitivities and things like that. And the, the, the research that I, I mean, again, once you start doing the research, love, it's out there. The information is not hidden. As long as we've got Google, okay, we've got a resource to really, really find the information that we need if you really want to find it. So I ended up going down this rabbit hole, learning about those two herbs and how they really help with, um, you know, help not only women with PCOS, but help people um, that have type 2 diabetes. And it, it, it did the trick for me. Um, I My A1C had lowered to a point where my doctor was almost nervous. Um, it was about 35 days of actual continuous use that I was then removed from metformin. I wasn't wow. out of the woods of being type 2 diabetic quite yet, but they felt comfortable enough for me to take me off of the metformin since I was using the herbal um, route. And then, of course, as I continue to use them and then integrate other herbs, not just integrate herbs, but completely change my lifestyle because herbs is herbs helps provide that balance, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not going to do all of the work for us. Mm -hmm. So I had to really integrate up numerous other modalities into my lifestyle before I saw that, you know, okay, well, you're no longer type two diabetic or insulin resistance. Congratulations. But we still have these issues that we're, we need to work on. Um, so that is really where I got my start. Also, um, I wanted to transition from juice. Um, I knew that sugar was no good for a PCOS body. Okay. Um, and I needed something to substitute juice. And then I also needed something to substitute coffee. I was a every single morning, do not mm -hmm. talk me, talk to me <laughs> unless I had my coffee type of woman. So I needed something. I knew I couldn't just cut it out without having a replacement there or I was just going to go back to it. So I needed to find a replacement that actually worked. So I found a group of herbs that really, really helped boost my energy. So I love using Damiana. I love using dandelion. I love, love using using ashwagandha, Siberian ginseng, Tulsi, I, those are my pick-me-ups. Um, and that's what I use to really replace coffee in the mornings. And then I um, replace juice by learning how to really create different fun blends. And this is before I even got into school, to nutrition school. And that was my catalyst for becoming an herbalist and going to school for herbalism. But um, I was literally just putting some herbs together, girl, that I thought <laughs> taste good. I knew already that I loved peppermint. I already knew that I loved spearmint. You know, I knew that I loved chocolate mint and 
cinnamon. You know, there were some herbs that I already knew that I liked and, I, you know, that I, I was familiar with. I liked the taste of chamomile. I knew at that time I hated the taste of chai. Today, chai is one of my favorite blends because, you know, I'm, I, I, my taste buds are used to those flavors now. Mm-hmm. They're used to those spices, whereas before I wasn't cooking or using or eating or even choosing restaurants that served foods that had those spices in it. So my, my palate wasn't used to it. So I started off, um, you know, just finding blends when it comes to replacing juice, finding things that taste good, right? Um, yeah. Now, I might have overloaded it with honey at that time. Okay? <laughs> it was a transition. Um, <laughs> But it was it was delicious and it was an awesome bridge to get me from drinking juice. Today I, I couldn't drink a sip of juice if I tried. It's overly sweet. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like a stickler for labels nowadays. So whenever I see that less than two percent juice or less than one percent juice, I'm like, this is just trash. This is sugar water with <laughs> a little bit of flavor in it. Okay, so. <laughs> hey, I like how you keep giving people. Like really um, accessible options where it doesn't feel like it has to be a huge okay. change initially, but you could take those small steps. You could kind of make your those bridges for yourself so that it's more of a comfortable transition, especially if you're already in an uncomfortable state. You want that to be a little bit easier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you did mention using other modalities to kind of help with your symptoms and with your experience through PCOS. So me being the trainer of the podcast, I would love to shift a little bit to exercise because as I've done a little bit of my own research, I've read a couple of different things and perspectives and I was reading up on your your uh, perspective on all of this and through your book and I know that as a trainer, I know that exercise is a stress to the body. I mean, um, you know, even if you're doing it with a lot of intention, you're still putting work into the body. You're causing those contractions through the muscles, all of that stuff. Um, and I know that stress can be something that triggers uh, inflammation and, and, you know, those dis- uncomfortable symptoms of PCOS. So I was wondering, as you were getting into a a healthier lifestyle and as you were bringing movement back into your life and everything, how did you find what worked for you that didn't contribute to more stress throughout the body? Or is that something that changes for everybody uh, depending on how severe things are? Or you mentioned there are four types of PCOS. So I was just curious how you found your movement and how other people know kind of like the levels they should try to incorporate into their life. Absolutely. So when I started with my transformation, I I didn't understand that exercise was a form of stress. I just knew that, I mean, at this point I had had PCOS for over 10 years and I knew that my doctor kept telling me, hey, you need to lose weight. Um, So I knew that I had to lose weight some type of way and I knew that the ways that I was doing what I was doing before wasn't working so that's really how I started I started with what does not work for me mm-hmm. um if any of you ladies who are watching are like me this is not your first go around trying to lose weight I had tried it I don't know a million times or something I was the queen of trying to lose weight right whether it was taking weight loss pills, trying the flat burning teas, trying the, um, you know, 
doing using all types of different waist trainers, um, going on these intermittent walks. You know, I, I do really great and start on a on an awesome consistent routine, and then something in my life happens, and then it stops, right? And then I don't go back outside for another year or two <laughs> to do some movement. So I had to start with what did work okay what didn't work I knew that I didn't like going to the gym um that was just my thing I had my own things about the gym I just didn't like going to the gym Mm -hmm. I knew that I loved being outdoors I'm an outdoors type of girl always have been so I knew that I loved outdoors and I was willing to work out outdoors um because again I, I had to work with what I was willing to work with if I decided because again at first I did start going to the gym. I was going to the gym very religiously, but again, it it stopped. So I I had to do what made sense for me. I also started, I had to recalibrate what exercise means. So the word workout or exercise was so intimidating. A, y'all, I'm going to just tell you, ladies, I don't like to sweat, okay? (laughs) That's never been... I never have been, and I'm from Arizona, right? So it's like, girl, how do you not like to sweat? So <laughs> I just, I've never been a, a big person who who enjoyed sweating. I never really enjoyed cardio. So when someone told me, let's go work out or you got to exercise, my brain immediately either went to the gym, like I visualized myself at the gym, right. or I visualized myself doing hours worth of cardio that I know that I hated. So I had to really reframe my way of thinking when it came to exercise and I had to redefine it. So when someone said that to me, the images that I did not like were not popping into my head. So I redefined exercise as just fun movement. Okay. Mm. Movement that is fun and exciting. If it feels like exercise, then it just doesn't work for me. So I literally had gotten a scratch piece of paper, like a, a print girl didn't even have lines on it. Okay? <laughs> it was just a piece of printer paper and an e. And I wrote down all of the physical, fun movement things that I liked. Okay, so I knew that I love going hiking. Mm-hmm. I love going for long walks. I'm a sightseer. I'm a tourist. Even in my own city, I can go to the same museums a billion times like I've never been there before. So I love going on long walks. I loved roller skating. So that was another one that I enjoyed. Um, I love jump rope so that I was able to go back to my childhood. You know, I love jump rope. Um, kickball, I was really big with team sports. Bum so people. that was exciting <laughs> for me. So I literally wrote down the movements that I actually liked, Mm -hmm. the things that did not at all feel like exercise. It had to be like me going on a walk and then I look at my tracker and say, oh shoot, I just walked five miles. Mm -hmm. That was nothing. It had to be like that, Mm -hmm. okay? Um, For me to be really consistent with it. Bike riding, that's another one that I really, really enjoyed. So again, I wrote down all of the movement activities that I liked on a list. And then I included that into a schedule, all right? So I said, okay, bike riding, we're going to do that on Mondays and Thursdays. We're going to skate on Wednesdays. I also love dancing. So I can literally turn up some music at my house. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I will dance like I'm the best dancer in the whole world, girl. (laughs) So that's another one that I love doing. So that's 
Saturday activity um, is just to dance. I put twerk it out on my on my thing. So whatever type of <laughs> dance you love doing, whether it's pole dance, I one of my clients. I told her the same thing, and she ended up getting a pole and putting it in her house, and, and <laughs> yeah. now she's able to use that pole for upper body strength and movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yes. do what no you joke. love, what you actually <laughs> enjoy, because if you focus on those exercises that you don't like, a treadmill, an elliptical, okay, though you're, it's not going to be, you're not going to be able to be consistent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, 100%. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we've said it on uh, the podcast, even me as a trainer. I'm like, there's so many ways to move mm-hmm. that it's just about finding the way that you enjoy because that's the way you'll stay consistent and successful and just what you said. And even as someone who personally mm-hmm. like, does really love the gym, I have created my own little training business because I wanted to bring people outside. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. the intimidations that come with stepping into a gym sometimes or the perceptions of a gym and, you know, uh, walking up to those weights when you have a bunch of guys everywhere, especially as women, you know, there are certain insecurities that may come with that. And and there's so much inspiring things around us outside, especially if you can to get into a beautiful spot that I, I love that. I love that you found what works for you and what helps you stay consistent. I love that it's outside. I mean, like those things resonate so much with me. But if someone did want to do some higher intensity stuff, would that be okay with them? Or is that, I was reading somewhere that a good gauge would be to see how you recovered. And maybe you could correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe you would know if you pushed it too hard, if you really had a hard time recovering after the workout. And that could be a good indication that maybe, you know, uh, an hour of HIIT training is maybe something that is a little bit too much and to scale it back. So do you think someone can have those higher intensity workouts and then just kind of gauge it? To some degree, yes. I mean, the body the body tells us everything that we need to know. Mm-hmm. We just have to learn how to listen to the body, right? Um, one of my indicators that I probably have pushed it too hard today is acne. Um, so that's a really, it's a re- that's a really good one for a lot of women who do go to the gym very often and they're like, okay, am I doing too much? Take a look at your skin. That is one way for you to be able to tell if your body is responding to that stress, um, that you are putting on it and how your body is responding to that stress. Um, I also say gauge your cycles as, as well and see how your cycles mm. are responding to the workouts that you are doing if your cycles feel like they're more painful more more heavy then you know around these times you are going to have to adjust and be okay with flexibility and fluidity when it comes to your exercise routine there is going to be months where or not months there are going to be a few weeks Okay, literally two. Okay, I'll say a couple, not a few. There'll mm-hmm. be a couple weeks within that um, your cycle where your body feels like it can do a little bit extra, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And your body is going to respond to those to the to, to all of it. Understanding and learning how to read your body is going to be huge. We talked about those four different types of PCOS, mm-hmm. so I do want to let I do want to touch on. Um, exercise and how it relates to those four different types of PCOS because not all PCOS is created equally and some women who do have PCOS are okay with doing those 
harder workouts because the type of PCOS that they have, that workout is not going to influence or trigger their symptoms. Okay, So we've got insulin resistant type PCOS. That type of PCOS, you absolutely are going to want to be mindful of how much intensity you are doing within your workouts, okay? Then there is post-peel PCOS. With that type of PCOS, you don't have to be as mindful as um, limiting your exercise routines as, as someone who has adrenal PCOS, right? And, and mm. their PCOS is really, really, really um, triggered by their adrenals and how much stress is being implanted into the body and, and how much inflammation is um, being implanted in the body. And then, of course, there is inflammatory PCOS. That is another type of PCOS where you definitely want to be mindful of how much of a, of a, a, a stress load that you're putting onto the body. And yes, that does include exercise. So what I like to tell people is to typically do about 30 to 45 minutes of HIIT, but of course having those breaks in between and giving your muscles that time to, okay, let's take a little chill, right? Right. It's going to be really, really important for those of us who have PCOS. We cannot, uh, and it's so interesting, I hear ladies that are like, I'm at the gym for like two hours, <laughs> I go twice a day, no. and I'm there for this long, and I'm like, oh, no, no, boo-boo, you are making it worse, honey, no, mm-hmm. I promise you, it is not necessary, but we have to understand how our body works, and each of our bodies operate a little bit differently. Our body talks to us very mm-hmm. clearly, whether it's in symptoms like acne, heavy periods, or whether it's in things like cravings, like sugar cravings and salt cravings. That is just, again, your body's way of communicating to you, hey, alert, alert, there's probably an issue in this area that you might need to address. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Preach. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, it's absolutely... When I started... <laughs> I started reading your book and going through and I'm like, you know what, this is such a simple guide. I'm going to just, you know, take the plunge and do it. And so I really almost went like cold turkey vegan right away. Mm -hmm. And it was a little difficult only in the way of trying to scale my meals the right way and do some of that and make sure I got enough protein. But I tell you what, after two weeks, no sugar cravings whatsoever. And then Mother's Day just came up and uh, my husband went and got chocolate cake. And I'm like, I don't even want to eat that. That looks gross. Which, if anybody knows me, (laughs) is not something I've ever said in my entire life. You know, but that's such a key into the fact that my body doesn't need anything. There's not those cravings. I think it's fantastic. And then, Roxy, for you in particular, when you're working out or maybe doing some of those things, do you have any herbs in particular that you use for recovery? That is a great question. I love using my adaptogen herbs for recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are going to be, again, herbs like ashwagandha, tulsi or holy basil, Siberian ginseng, or eleuthero root. Um, Those are my go-tos for after workout. Normally, after a workout, I still have to continue on with my day. Mm -hmm. Um, My workouts are normally in the morning. So after I work out, I still have to go to work and just continue. So I'm still looking for something that's not only going to um, help with muscle recovery, but something that's going to still give me that long lasting energy that I need throughout the day. So I don't start to feel, you know, sleepy around three o'clock, four o'clock because I got up at five o'clock to do a workout. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have, um, I know we talked briefly before we actually started the podcast and you had mentioned that your goal is to touch 1 million women. And I know that you've already affected us. I've actually, um, I have another client who recently opened up to me that she is struggling with PCOS. I passed on your book, your Instagram, Mm -hmm. your website. I told her about this podcast. So you're already starting to reach those women. But since you do, yeah, oh my God, yes, my pleasure. But since you do also have this little time right here that we're so grateful for, what are some last little pieces of advice or just maybe insight that you'll have for some women who are struggling through this? Because I know it must be really challenging, especially with the misdiagnoses and things of that nature. So what's your kind of last little bit of wisdom that you can impart on us? Yes, um, my last part of wisdom, and this is something that I had literally written down on every single mirror in my house when I was going through my transition. And that was to be willing to do something that you've never, ever done before, Mm. to see a result that you have never, ever seen before. Mm -hmm. I had to, and, and when I say be willing something different I don't mean be willing to you know obviously yeah be willing to switch up your diet and things like that but even changing how your routine flows you know um, I learned for me it was really important I had to learn how to be consistent and, and find routines whether it's an app in my phone or a calendar alert or you know it took a lot of different trial and error for me to find that one thing that helped me be consistent in diet self-care, nutrition, um, movement. So again, be willing to do whatever it is that you need to do to see a result that you've never seen before. One more example. My mother is from Dallas, Texas, okay? The down (laughs) south, honey. So growing (laughs) up, we were used to eating, you know, a lot of those conventional southern Mm -hmm. foods, Mm -hmm. right? Chicken, macaroni and cheese, drink, you know, all that good southern cooking, okay? Um, So... For today, we, in my home, we practice a, a plant-based diet. We've been on this um, lifestyle for about three and a half years now, and we are not going backwards by any means. Um, so you just, you, you've got to be willing to do some things that you've never done before. Be willing to see yourself in a position that you've never seen before in order for you to get to a place that you've never been. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Roxy, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I was so excited, like I said, to hear you speak at the conference and then to be able to have you on our podcast. So if people want to get in contact with you, um, you know, what's your Instagram handle? How can they find you moving forward? Yes, yes. You can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at Finesse, and that's F-I-N-E-S-S-E, Life Holistics. Finesse Life Holistics. My website is www.finesselifeholistics.com. And if you're interested in the herbal side and herbal learning, I like, as we've already talked about, I love teaching about herbs and herbal medicine and how to make um, medicine, just making the process practical, simple, easy to do at home. Um, then visit my website, www.bougieteaparty.com. And um, Bougie Garden Apothecary, we are also on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at The Bougie Garden, okay? At <laughs> the T-H-E, Bougie, B-O-U-G-I-E, Garden, um, and you'll be able to find all things herbs in our workshops there. 
Yes. Awesome. Yeah. And don't forget, she has her book out, No Prescription Needed, which is uh, just a chalk, just a book full of so much accessible and tangible information. And Roxy, thank you so, so very much. It was an absolute pleasure. You have given us all so much to download and, and just continue to research. And we just appreciate you and continued success. Thank you, ladies, for having me again. It was so much fun. I hope you guys learned something new. And we'll be chatting again soon. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.